Hello, this is the Exiting Your Echo Chamber podcast where we learn how to be in the world but not of the world. We also try to understand how we can navigate the various worldviews that are available so that you would give the reason for the faith that we have. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the moment you've made available to us to have this conversation. We ask that may your spirit be with us. Guide us through this discussion and Father, help us have a fruitful one. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so um, by way of introduction, um, I'm Kofi Okran and we have Sam Kwashi and we have um, Kwampa with us. And shortly, Araba Sikabe will also join us. Let's head straight to the topic that you're going to discuss today. We are looking at um, the very first, the, the theme for this whole podcast for the time being is exiting your echo chamber. Exiting your echo chamber. So the sub, should I say the subtopic would be being in the world, but not of the world. So exiting your echo chamber, being in the world, but not of your world. So just to get started, um, generally when you hear echo chamber, what comes to mind? Um, Sam, can you start with us? Okay, thank you for the opportunity to also share uh, my thoughts on exiting the echo chamber. And obviously, um, I would like to go with the Oxford definition of an echo chamber in the context you are talking about. So in the context we are talking about, an echo chamber is simply um, an environment or a space where a person encounters um, opinions, mindsets, beliefs that agree with what the person already has. So you hardly find, or in that space, you are not going to get an opinion, an idea that contradicts what you already believe. So because you're exposing yourself to an environment with consistent beliefs as yours, you end up reinforcing those ideas and you don't consider um, alternates or other ideas. So... In the context of exiting your echo chamber, for me, the first scripture that occurred to me when I was taking a look at this chapter was um, the statement Jesus made in Matthew 5, where he describes the life of a Christian as the salt of the earth, as the salt of the earth. And I always like to use the illustration of cooking. So in cooking, everybody adds salt to the food. But the interesting thing is the only way you can be salt or you can experience or you can release the, your saltiness that you must be in the soup. So from your question, my understanding is that being in the soup, but you are rather influencing the ideologies or the systems in the soup, other than the other way around. So we are being inside the thing, and that's the only way we can influence the soup. So being in the world, but not being of the world, is simply mean that you are present, you are going through the motions, but you're not allowing your ideologies, your mindsets to be influenced by the systems of the environment or the space you find yourself in. So that's what my initial thoughts are. Oh, that's a very good one and a quite elaborate one. So, um, Kompa, can you come in and echo Timba, what comes to mind generally after being introduced to this concept? Yeah, definitely. I think that I would um, agree with someone there on his uh, definition of the echo chamber where within a group or a community where the ideas or principles, everything that is shared there, uh, basically is the same. It's the same ideas that go around the entire community. And so what you already believe is sort of reinforced in that um, group. 
and that opposing ideas are not really considered and they are not thought of at all. But I think that for me, thinking about the echo chamber, what I've been thinking about lately is, um, is, it, is it really a bad thing or a good thing? And um, thinking about this, for instance, if we are in a community and then the idea of sharing is the truth, right? Is the truth. And then it keeps on going around. Then I don't necessarily see how that's um, probably a bad thing. But then the problem comes in when um, the idea that is going on in the community is the wrong idea, it's not the truth, it's a false belief. Then for me, I see that the echo chamber can become a dangerous thing. But also I think that um, maybe we should also look at it from a, a black and white perspective. And maybe there could be gray areas in it. And so um, those are my initial thoughts on, on an echo chamber. And sometimes it could be a good thing. Sometimes it could be a bad thing. Yeah. All right, Kwamba, thanks for your thoughts, with, sharing your thoughts with us. Um, Araba, um, what are your general um, impressions about what an echo chamber and the concept of an echo chamber? Yeah. Okay, so um, general perspectives on the echo chamber. I had to do a little bit of reading around before joining the conversation. I think that it's an interesting concept and it's something that I have particularly observed with... Um, maybe certain religious groups and even within religious groups, certain denominations where it's like we know only this one thing and everybody else around us believes in the same thing. And inadvertently, we come to believe that that is the truth because we've never really questioned it. We've never really thought about, okay, what if this thing really isn't true? And once everybody around us thinks the same way, when we come out of that particular environment and we meet certain different things it's like shock of my life how did this thing happen or how come people actually think this way becomes weird it's like going to an SHS for the first time boarding house you meet people who brush their teeth differently maybe bath differently and you are suddenly confronted with the fact that it's not every time that somebody presses the toothpaste from the bottom some people can press from the middle and some people can press from the top so I think that is my general perspective of what an echo chamber is, that we sometimes have been in a certain environment for so long and everybody around us thinks in that very same way that we haven't realized that people could actually think differently. And it could be, um, it could be good, especially when you are now growing. Let's say a growing Christian, if you are in such an environment, it helps to get you well established and rooted. Mm-hmm. But then if you stay in that environment for long and you unfortunately met with something different. If you are not, you, I mean, it's strange to you that, okay, people can actually think that way. You can easily lose your faith. If maybe in whichever religious group that you are in, you've been in one setting for so long and you have always thought that something is a given fact or a given truth. Thank you. All right. That, that, was, that was a great one from Marabaso. And, you know, um, <laughs> he realized that, Basically, it's, it's a very interesting thing for us to note that the world, I mean, when you start off from your our perception of the world, or let's say, to a greater extent, reality. Reality is just based upon our knowledge of, let's say, our surroundings, or let me put it this way, the information that is available to us, right? And this, this concept, one time, I mean, this, this came in very critically to me, for those who are familiar with Twitter, right? Um, what happens is that generally they show you what they call trending stories, right? And there's a section where they tell you that trending stories for you, 
All right, so uh, Pascal guy was boasting that his favorite uh, musician was trending the whole of Ghana. And so someone pointed out to him that, no, he's trending for you. And I was like, hmm, this is very interesting. So now the person goes out to, I mean, to wherever they find themselves and the person is like, yeah, my musician or whatever is the best in the whole of this world. And can we fall the person? Because at the end of the day, right, that's the information that is available to the person. So we cannot necessarily fault the person or blame the person. And this this whole thing makes it very interesting. And it has something to do with how ideas develop. It has this ecotimber thing is basically your point I want to make is that your world is based upon the truth that is available to you, right? So basically, as Christians, we want to delve into a whole new tangent over here. And as Christians, right, how do we, um, should I say, marry or merge the whole concept of truth and the fact that echo chambers or the information available to us um, kind of shape our perception of reality and truth? I don't know if this clear. Uh, any takers, if you are already going to take it, yeah. Oh, okay, let me go first. So I think that basically I would just um, pick up from something that Araba said about the fact that if you're a green Christian, you probably need to be in a community where you are grounded in um, the faith so that you really know your stuff very well. And then I think that as time goes on progressively, yeah, maybe introduced to um, whole other people like outside the Christian community or maybe your, your, your group believe and um, so that you, you, know, you know that there are other ideas out there because for instance for, for me I always myself as an example I always knew that um, there are people out there who didn't believe in God and I, I didn't really understand why because you know I'd grown up in church and all of that so I mean everybody around me sort of had the um, like the new God in a way were church people. And so even if they're not church people, they're religious people, some sort of religion. So there was like the idea of God in everybody around me. Until when like social media and then, you know, the internet became very like popular and all of that, like smartphones came about. And so social media, like on Twitter. And so like you begin to see people, you know, just see all sorts of things, like um, talk about the Bible in a certain way that I never hear people say, like, try and sort of like poke holes in what you believe. And I mean, to me, when I began to um, and, uh, see such things, it was very scary for me. Very, very scary. And so I think that the, the problem um, with having an echo chamber, in as much as, as a growing Christian, it is a good thing in order to cause you to be grounded. There's also the need to, I mean, make people aware of the fact that um, there's other ideas out there that really conflict or um, that are in direct op- opposition to how we believe. And then we try and see how best, you know, you can, um, how do I say, deal with such opposition. Um, because I, I don't want to say deal with such, because it sounds as if like it's an attack and a defense thing, but not necessarily about how you can be rest assured in what you believe in the face of such opposition. How? So that's how I see it. I see that if we don't progressively, gradually introduce the people in the church or in the Christian group to some of these things, 
one way or the other, because of, as you said, Twitter, smartphones, Facebook, all of that, they're going to encounter these things one way or the other. And that's where the problem would arise. Yeah, that, that's what I think. All right, right. That's, that's very great. Um, some question, I think you wanted to also make a submission on the same, um, considering the concept of truth and echo chamber, how to marry these two. Should I say seemingly opposed and like how they, they, they interplay works? What are your thoughts on it? Especially as Christians who believe that Jesus Christ is the truth and yeah, stuff like that. How do you process this? Well, it's it's quite an interesting question, but it would depend on if I should say um the nature of your echo chamber in the sense that using let's say a family setting. Um, as Araba gave, let's say, about how you bath or how you use the toothpaste. Maybe when you are being brought up, you may be shown a particular way. But maybe in your echo chamber, you were introduced to flexibility. Maybe you were made aware that even though this is the way we do things, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the only way we can do things. But here comes the conflict. So let's say, let me use the example of brushing our teeth. Maybe in my echo chamber, I may be taught a particular method of brushing my teeth. And I may be told that, oh, there are other ways or other techniques you can use to brush your teeth. But the underlying factor is that the aim of brushing our teeth is to get it clean. So it's about what we are or why we are doing what we are doing. So in my echo chamber, when I was growing up, it wasn't just about um, dishing out information, but it's about letting me appreciate the fact that I may not get everything now, but then, these are certain fundamentals that should always align with whichever method I choose to go with. So I think um, how your echo chamber was constructed whilst you were growing up plays a role. That's how um, people who were just preferred with information and were not really interested in them um, perusing the information are the ones who easily exit out of their echo chamber in the light of new information. Then they begin to sound all sort of high-minded, like they've got into contact with truth. So I'm just thinking that um, it's more about how the nature of your echo chamber, how things were done with you. I think that also influence how you would cope when you are introduced to something something new. I don't know if I'm I'm getting, um, I understood your question properly. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's very clear. Yeah, and I would even, um, I would take off, I, I mean, I'll pose a question based on the submission you made, but um, Arba, do you have any thoughts about this truth, echo chamber, and yeah, how to, because even first we might, we would have to probably address, okay, we said that we cannot certainly say that an echo chamber is bad or good, but there's this thing that, um, um, there's a proverb that um, just transliterating that you don't stand in, let's say, ants to remove the ants from your body, right? So being in an echo chamber, it's very difficult for you, you to know that you are in an echo chamber. That's what makes it very complex. So however, the whole idea of truth and as Christians and as we are going, how do we go about these two things here? Okay, um, I think for me, it's something that I'm faced with on a regular basis. The idea of having your own thoughts of what is true, but then still having to deal with what others see to be true and sort of find legitimacy in what they are saying. I think that there is no, and you are talking about marriage of the idea of truth and the idea of exiting your um, echo chamber. Maybe 
I don't know whether what I'm saying will be similar to what Sam said, but I don't think that they are opposing views. You can still have your idea of truth and exit your echo chamber safely without um, being conflicted within. Um, it's more of understanding that there may be some legitimacy in what other people are saying. It doesn't make it true, but Charlie, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a point. I mean, the person has made a point and it sort of makes sense, only that it doesn't mean that it is true. So I think you would require a lot of tolerance when you, you choose to walk out of your echo chamber. It doesn't mean that you choose to stop believing what you know is the truth or whichever truth that you have tested or tried and seen that, okay, this thing is really true. But then it would mean that being open to what other people are saying, finding legitimacy in what they are saying, not necessarily agreeing with them, but knowing that, okay, this person has a point. This person is thinking in this way. It's legitimate, only that maybe it's not true and it's not the fact. Um, somebody gave an example, or I mean, I've seen this thing around social media where there are twins in a mother's stomach or her womb. That's the better um, word for it. And one says, there's no world outside of here. This is our whole world in mommy's womb. How we are fed, how we are in this, I mean, liquid and all that. This is our world. And then one is saying that, no, there's a world out there. Sometimes I hear maybe mom talk or something. You see, one is true and one is not. But then the guy who is saying that there's no world out there, there's some legitimacy in what he's saying because seriously, this is what he sees. So um, the idea of exiting your echo chamber in this circumstance will be that, okay, I understand this guy. It's because he doesn't know much or he hasn't really um, thought outside of this uh, environment. That's why he's thinking this way. It doesn't mean that I change what I believe to believe what he's saying. But it also doesn't mean that I immediately say, this guy is a stupid guy. No, I will probably want to. Okay, you are, what you are saying is true, but why don't we look at it from this perspective and then maybe try to maybe enlighten the other person as to why I am thinking from my point and why I know what I, I know is true. So conclusion, I don't think that um, they are opposing or conflicting, but it goes down to really understanding why you think what is true is true. Thank you. Yeah, understanding why you think what is true is true. And the thing is, I mean, some of these things pose a, a many more questions. So um, should I um, should I even have a why for what I believe? <laughs> I mean, some of these questions that come up. And I think so far, this, um, uh, I, our thoughts have been thinking, I mean, as a Christian, but they're thinking of ourselves, um, let's say, in contrast with um, what do you call it, let's say unbelievers, generally speaking, right? But then this how do we look at this same idea even within the church structure, right? Because I've seen instances where, um, from our submissions, I think we're even just on our introduction, we are trying to develop the best mindset that we can have or we are supposed to have as believers or human beings generally I mean, in this world, right? So how, are we, how do we see this thing play out in our, uh, what do you call it, our churches, right? Do we see denominations as potential echo chambers and um, as the what are the highs and lows of a system like that. And also there is an idea called cancel culture where if you don't belong to a particular thought group or um, let's say you are not part of them, they, I mean, your ideas sound very outrageous to them, right? So they don't even entertain you in the first place. 
So just let's let's look at our church. Now we are not um, within the church structure. How do we process this as well? I mean, coming from the whole idea of denominations, how do we process it? Any takers on it will go like. Um. Okay. If I go to uh, for me particularly, I think that I'm growing up, especially because I was exposed to um a lot of information. Exiting my echo chamber, especially in a church setting, one thing that I really come to appreciate is that there's a need for humility. Um, Araba spoke about tolerating and trying to um see life from the other person's view, and in this constant from the other pe- or from the other denomination's view. I I really think that humility is, is very key. Humility in the sense that it is what will make you even yearn to tolerate someone and appreciate the fact that just as you were introduced into a certain set of beliefs, the same was done to another person. And just as when you were being introduced, you were given certain evidence, maybe from scripture or from experience or from something, That's that was the basis or the syllabus by which they introduced you to a certain belief. You must be humble enough to also recognize that the same thing was done to the other person. And that's what will give you the, the, the heart to just keep an ear for the person because sometimes... And just sometimes you may be wrong. And I always like to look at the instance of Jesus. I always ask myself this question that if I was in the days of Jesus, would I have really, really believed Jesus? And I, I, I'm being true to myself. I really doubt I would. Because Jesus in his days really looked like, in quote, some of the pastors in our days. Like the things they see and you wonder where it's coming from. Because a Jewish carpenter we all know in the neighborhood just gets baptized and now says he is God. And looking at these people who were introduced as Jews, they were introduced into something and they were told that a savior is coming. They were the ones who were really finding it difficult because they didn't expect Jesus to to come from or to appear the way he did, even though they knew that something was coming. But the other twist is that when Jesus was born, you know, the wise men came. Then they went to Herod and they told Herod that they are looking for a savior. Interestingly, Herod called the scribes and the Pharisees and the, those who were studios in the law to search the scriptures. And when they searched the scriptures, they knew that indeed a savior was being born. But look at their response. If a savior is being born, I'm not supposed to rather go and worship the savior. But they rather Herod rather sent an information that go and kill the savior. So it's just about you knowing that everybody's being introduced to something, and there was a syllabus or an evidence that was. I'm used to usher the person into that. And just as it took you to be humble, to learn what you were taught, that humility should be there for you to just give a listening ear to what the person is having to say. Then that's what James says, that you lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Then you can receive. But then you will juxtapose what you have heard with what you already know. So I think that I would like to start by saying humility in the heart is, is very, very key. But I can't just believe if I was Peter, somebody just walks back to me and say, follow me. Then the next thing I hear is giving a sermon that eats my flesh, drink my blood. Before I realize this, I'm going to die. I, I, it will really be hard for me to believe. But it took them to have a certain humility to keep flowing, just to see where this thing would all go. Because even realize upon all that Jesus said, even when they came to arrest him, they ran away. Even when he resurrected, it took them a lot of energy to really believe that, ah, what this guy is really saying is the truth. But humility kept them following Jesus, even though they did not really get the totality of the picture. So that's that's what I'd like to say for now. Mm, all right. So, so I mean, back to even the idea of truth. I think we've, we've mentioned the virtue of um, 
tolerance, right? And also the virtue of humility, right? So does it mean that, um, uh, should I say, our pro- progressive Christian decision-making writers, so, I mean, our Christian decision-making, we don't, is there, let me put it this way, is there a, a foundational, um, should I say, truth that we should, I mean, we come to the point that you are so certain of this that this can never change. Can that can there ever be that place in our life? Because we are still thinking about equitiveness and all that, and we realize that we find within the church structure that certain groups of people they hold certain thoughts and certain parties in so much high esteem that it's very difficult for them to even entertain any other. So, is there something that should we have it in our heart that there are some non-negotiables in our beliefs? Because, I mean, you're looking at exiting the coaching bar and being in the world and not of the world, stuff like that. Are there some non-negotiables that we should have as Christians? Or we should just, we should be a little fluid in our perceptions as we, so that we can easily change as we progress. Yeah, um, everybody can take this one if, if you're ready. All right. I, I think that, yes, there should be certain foundational and fundamental truths that we hold. I mean... Um, we say we are Christians. What what makes us Christians? And that, that should be that fundamental truth. The idea that Jesus Christ has come to die for us. We believe that he's the son of God and that he died for us to, let's say, wash away our sins and then I mean, give us that new birth and all that. That is fundamental. Paul said that if the idea of the resurrection, Christ dying and coming back to life, is not real, then not just say this whole faith thing is actually of no relevance and of no use. So yes, there should be some fundamental truth. But then, you know, when scripture talks about, just giving an example, this, okay, we worship on Monday, we worship on Sunday, we worship on Saturday, and we don't eat this meat, we don't eat that meat. You realize that, well, somebody can choose to say, I don't eat pork. Find basis for it. But it's not fundamental to the faith of Christianity. And it shouldn't be made one. So that when I meet somebody that doesn't eat pork based on something that is in scripture, okay, fine, you don't eat. But I also read scripture and I have reasons why I should eat. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. Only that, okay, I don't want to sound biased, but maybe you may be missing out on something, a certain level of freedom or grace that you may miss out on. But then it doesn't take away the fact that you are a Christian. So basically, yes, there should be some fundamental things, some foundational things that set us apart as Christians and that mark us as believers. But then that beyond that and beyond hmm, a lot of things are also coming to mind as I even talk. So because then it gives now what I'm saying gives rise to questions like, okay, so does it mean that once I believe that Jesus Christ has died and all that, I can do what I want? And for example, the issue of Okay, let me not talk about it. I don't know how far this, but the issue of sexual orientation and all those things, honestly, they come in. So if I believe that Jesus Christ has died and resurrected and has washed away my sins, does that give me that liberty? I don't want to delve too much into all those things, but I think that I would say for a fact, which I believe should be true, that there should be some fundamental truths. If I'm in an association, there are certain things that bind me. I can't be a member of... um, the Institute of Chartered Accountants, Ghana, without being a chartered accountant. That should mark me out. Then I'm a member. So if I'm a Christian, then there should be certain things that mark me out. And then 
that is when I considered, okay, yes, this is Christianity and I'm a Christian. Yeah, Ara, thanks for your submission. One thing I struggle with is, so, Amaraba, so you find yourself in a denomination where, I mean, uh, we are all trying to establish what our foundation now. Um, I don't know whether we, it, I don't know how this works, or whether we establish what we call foundational or as we progress, we <laughs> we we form our foundations as we progress and stuff like that. But the, the question, the thought that I want us to maybe deliberate on is, so we get to a point where there's a seeming tension, right, in opinions and it, does that warrant, should I say, a breakaway? Because now we are talking about exiting a great chamber, right? Some people don't want to be a part of a, a denomination or a group. They think it's been an echo chamber. So well, the next logical thing they do is to walk out of it and form their own. How do we process some of these things? Kwampa, if you already can take it for it. Because, I mean, this, this is something that easily comes up. If there's yeah, a yeah, strong yeah. tension, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're, you're right with that. Um, for instance, if you look at uh, maybe why um, look at us, we are evangelicals. That is to say, right? But where did we come from? We came from a period where um, there was the church at the time, where maybe in church if you would call the dark ages. And then there were so many things going on wrong. Like you know, people didn't really have the Bible to read for themselves, and so like so many crazy things going on. And then Martin Luther, you know published what we call the 99 pieces and so that led to what we call the reformation and then out of that you know we have what we call um we as evangelical i say we believe in you know the new birth and all of that and so definitely these things uh, would come up and so after that that's how come a lot of denominations you know have been birth like later after that maybe in the um in the 1900s we had the azusa street revival and all of that and then pentecostalism and charismatism also came in and so um, these things tend to happen from time to time within uh, christian uh, groups as you see we are all reading the same bible and it's interesting that um, people would read certain parts and then we all have um, different understandings to that same part of the bible and so somebody would be convinced in his heart that what he believes is the absolute truth and that um, he cannot uh, back down on it. But then the group that he's within, that is to say the echo chamber, is also saying something different. And so at the end of the day, as I said earlier, in the echo chamber, what is going around? Is it the truth? And if it's the truth, then there's nothing wrong with that. But then if you don't believe that that is the truth, then there's absolutely no need for you to be there. There's no need for you to be in a group and then you don't believe what they believe. You don't think the way they think, right? There's really no need for you. You're wasting your time. You're wasting everybody's time. And you try to talk to people. You're going to create confusion in that kind of group. And so when you find yourself in that kind of situation where you think that you're, you're so convinced in yourself that, no, this group I'm in, no, what they believe, I don't think I believe the same things. I don't think that what they believe is the truth. And I believe that this is the truth. I think the best thing for you to do is definitely to step away from that group and then, um, you know, go join a group or a place where you have similar belief because at the end of the day, you're going to confuse yourself being in the group where you don't believe what they believe. For instance, Jesus says that, be careful what you hear and how you hear. He was warning his disciples and he was warning them, there's a beware of the living of the Pharisees. That's just talking about their doctrine. So imagine some um, one of the disciples would come and listen to Jesus today. And tomorrow, 
he would be uh, sitting under the feet of the Pharisees, listening to them. And then he'd come and then he's trying to, you know, infiltrate the disciples and trying to uh, tell them about the doctrine of the Pharisees. He's going to create a whole lot of problems. So the best thing would be to, if, if you want to be in Jesus' group, if you want to be in the Pharisees' group, just pick where you want to be. But then all you have to do is just be really convinced in your heart and in your conscience that all you're doing um, is, the, is the right thing and all you're following is the truth. And I think once uh, you are able to settle those things and, you know, you don't try to do it in a, in a way that will create um, confusion or uh, division or animosity between you and, you know, that group. But um, you do it in a way and prayerfully and all of that so that you don't have any uh, bad blood between you and them so that you can peacefully exit that place and go be where you believe that uh, God wants you to be. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's another great one for him from Pampa. So as you understand it, in in one sense, the echo chamber is um, should I say more of a mental state or ideal? Yeah, let me say it's ideological, right? Not the boundary set by the echo chamber ideological, but then they kind of translate into our perception of what I would say concrete reality as well, right? So maybe on subsequent conversation, we'll be even looking at the whole idea of truth, because you've been mentioning truth, um, like truth, truth and all that. So, I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of people who have tried to delve into the whole idea of truth for ages, and you can have thousand hours of discussion on this, and I'm not sure we'll ever come to a consensus, but one thing that inspired this whole conversation has to do with, let's say, given one, can we say that someone is a tabla rasa? I don't know, um, someone has... Is it possible for us to even assume that any person comes with a clean, clean slate? And if that's possible, to what degree? I mean, because before you start forming your ideas, so how how are we going to look? Is it is it possible for a person to find himself in a spot where, to a certain degree, they are they they are just coming with a relatively clean slate and how to process? Because one of the uh, things that we are looking to achieve is how do we um, put ourselves in the shoes of that's one 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 idea one 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 uh, posture of mind that I want us to have. How do we put ourselves in the shoes of someone who is forming? You are we are Christians, right? So how do we put ourselves in the shoe of someone who has formed their ideas for like ages and now they are forming a whole new one? How do we? I mean, assume that posture as well. So can you share our thoughts on? Is it possible for someone to come in um, a clean slate? How how would a Christian be able to do that? Because it's kind of helpful in uh, evangelism. I don't know if uh, I'm, what I'm saying is clear. Um, um, okay, if I got your question correctly. I, I doubt people come as um, tabula rasa using the same idea of um, gender orientation, especially when most European parents are like, oh, as for me, I don't want to impose my ideas on my child, or I don't want to impose a gender on my, on my child. I'll let the person grow up and decide um, what gender the person will want to be. But what they fail to realize is that, one, your indecision in itself is a decision. Two, you not deciding to expose or give your child an echo chamber in itself is an echo chamber. Because, and three is that this world is not without influences. So I always ask people this question that, if you are claiming you don't want to introduce your child, you don't want to form an opinion for your child, why don't you also give birth, then you leave your child in, in, in the forest? When the child is 18 or 16, depending on your country, 
and the child is an adult for him or herself, then the child will decide whether, one, I want to go to school or not, two, I would want to bath or not, three, I want to even exist or not. So whether we like it or not, our presence here, we are going to be influenced by so many things. So nobody's going to come as a tabula rasa. Everybody's going to be influenced. That sometimes we may be conscious of it or we may not be conscious of it. And sometimes it will take exiting your echo chamber for you to realize that you were in an echo chamber. As um, our brother was sharing that, because he was go he was brought up in a Christian community, that's all. He thought everybody was like him until maybe the exposure of social media made him realize that, hey, there are other people thinking else um, differently from him. So I think that everybody has a certain level of information. Your no information in itself is an information that you know nothing. And how do we approach them? As I said, humility. Paul said that, uh, I think in Ephesians, that we were once a full time also living a certain kind of life. Just remembering that you or we ourselves are a product of God's mercies and God's grace should be how we approach other people. Remember that you were once like them. Remember that you also had ideologies of your own. It may, it may not be as grievous in quotes as other people, but some of us, as little as it is, for example, with stealing, some people think that, oh, what belongs to my father belongs to me. So I know some people say that taking your father's money is not, is not stealing. It's, it's my father's money. So whether you consider your echo chamber as huge or significant or not, always approach people with the humility that you yourself were once um, upon a time darkness, as Paul likes to refer. So with the base of humility, and that's what will give you a genuine sense of burden for the people. Because sometimes you may not really know the echo chamber you were in until you had an encounter with light. And that's what Paul or then Saul encountered. He thought that he was being zealous for God. He thought he was defending um, the honor of God until he encountered light. And he took the message of Ananias and um, I think Barnabas to introduce him to the church that Charlie, that God has really changed. We must appreciate the fact that we were once in a particular state and we are products of God's message. And from that base, we too should extend message to people who are also in a particular echo chamber that we feel that is not the truth. So I think that's my contribution. All right, that's that's great. It looks like the consistent theme is humility and um, having extending the same message that we received of the Lord to all others. Um, Ava, would you have any take on this? Okay, I think I agree with what Sam shared, so um, nothing much to add on this issue. All right, okay. Kampa, uh, do you have any thoughts to share on this? Yeah, I think I'll just add a bit. Like, I basically agree with everything that someone said. Um, I think in Ephesians 4, um, Paul says something about speaking the truth in love. Right? Speaking the truth in love. And so definitely, um, I, there's, uh, someone also says that he doesn't care how much you know until he knows how much you care. And so definitely, when you're um, speaking to somebody that you, you feel that this person is, a, is in a group that or they, or they are believing, or what he believes in is not the truth. That means you have to show your concern or your care for the person. And then when you are trying to um, give out the truth, definitely it must be done in love. Because if, if it's not done in love, and it's, it's just like you're just trying to uh, talk down the person and just say, oh, you believe it's not the truth, and then all of that. And once, once you start doing that, the person can also just try and get defensive, you know, and then you would not achieve any results in doing that, especially in evangelism. 
So for me, even for me, one of the reasons why I like to, you know, talk to unbelievers is that I, I sometimes I think to myself that the gospel makes so much sense to me. Like it really does. And I, I feel like maybe it's because sometimes I do think that, okay, maybe it's because I've been exposed to it probably my whole life. And so I try to talk to unbelievers to find out like how they process the same information that I have, like the gospel, how did you process it? How did you understand it? Like, am I missing something? Am I failing to see something because of how I grew up or because I grew up exposed to this information? And then I think there's, there's not a time that um, I've encountered any form of position that made me realize that, oh, okay, I was really missing this. And so um, it's, it's always, you know, you have to do it in a, in a careful manner, in a gentle manner, in a, in a loving manner, because the the initial decision to even approach somebody to try and talk to them or talk them out of their echo chamber or their false belief is because you have a certain level of care or concern for the person, a certain um, love for the person so that you don't want to see them destroy, you don't want to see them perish. So because of that, you want to extend your truth to them. And so if you are going to do that and then you are not um, approaching that conversation in, love and humility and gentleness then you're not going to achieve any results in doing that you're better off not doing it at all mm, all right that's that's very great one um there's this guy on um facebook and uh, let me just say because of something i blogged him but there's this i've forgotten his name so he's i think vicent yeah i think chris vicent or something like that um i think he's a media guy he's quite vocal i mean concerning issues of um well he i think he comes across or he he should I say identifies as an atheist or something like that and i was going to his timeline right and i i saw a guy i mean the guy introduced himself as an 18 year old guy right and according to him he's had doubts right doubts um several doubts and all that and you know, um, I, it seems to me that um, all of us on this podcast, to a certain degree, we are um, so much exposed to what I'll call hostile opinions towards the faith and something that um, you, you dare not <laughs> at all within a church context, right? So this guy, some very serious questions, right? Some questions that we, we, we just say that, oh, God, I mean, in a regular church setting, we say God knows best and we just trust and we move on. So this guy, um, what do you call it? starts asking these questions to their parents and they, they kind of um, shut him down. And this guy comes to social media, sees Chris Vincent, and this guy is vocal against Christianity, right? And this guy gets a lot of confidence and is able to express his disbelief in all the all that Christian, uh, Christianity teaches. So um, I think we'll be rounded up on this. We'll be taking our final words, but this, this story or this example would introduce us to our next point of, um, should I say, should I say topic of discussion that has to do with, um, which I loosely titled, losing the comfort of affirmation, losing the comfort of affirmation. So for maybe our listeners will be listening to the subsequent and so all of us, we think through as well, how should we start working on this? And throughout our discussion, what seems to cut across is the truth, the truth. And this is very interesting. And in some context, if you are bold enough to tell somebody this is the truth it becomes very difficult like it's they look at you with a certain eye because how dare you it's it even comes across as uh, 
arrogance. So we'll be looking at how to generally how to lose the comfort of affirmation and we'll take it from there. So this is just to set um, the, the background for our next discussion. So for what that you um, probably our introductory chapter, our introductory episode, um, if we have our, some final words about so we'll be looking at how to lose the losing the comfort of affirmation and we might we would also look at truth generally the truth and the whole idea of my truth as well in subsequent discussions so um if you have just to um round up uh today's episode um do you have any final words the idea of echo timber um any final thoughts or any points that you wanted to make by your own research that's didn't come up in the discussion, you can just flow. So, um, Sam, if you're ready, you can uh, go for us. Okay. So, for me, I think my concluding um, thoughts on this episode is that one, we should appreciate the fact that we are in an echo chamber or we were introduced into an echo chamber consciously or unconsciously. And just as we were introduced into one or we are born into one, so also was somebody born into an echo chamber which is different from yours appreciate that fact and you proceed from there then it makes it easier for you to approach people in love and for you to even learn because i'm definitely sure that in our echo chamber it's not everything in our echo chamber that we learn that is true and yet again humility will come so one learn to appreciate the fact that you are in an echo chamber somebody else is also in an echo chamber then from there we can proceed so that'll be my concluding thoughts mm, all right um uh, compa in your concluding thoughts on this episode. Okay, so um, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm, um, I'm very thankful to be here and I've learned so much from everybody here and uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, what I would say is that uh, I would just like to end on the, the story that you gave, you know, about the guy. Um, whenever, um, like, you find yourself or in an echo chamber, let's say, and then you begin to um, feel like how I how um, I'm believing here, or what is happening here? Like the guy said, he has doubt, right? You have doubt, and so all I'll say is that how far would you go to search for the truth? Because he says that he asks his parents, and then they were hostile. What do you, what do you do from there? Or and so that uh, again comes back to the humility aspect that if you know you are in, uh, if somebody approaches you with something and they are not sure, the best thing. It's not to be hostile, but then rather to be gentle and humble to say that, oh, you're not really sure, you don't know. What I'm actually driving at is, for example, if we have maybe Christian leaders actually listening to us, is that we need to be very prepared for um, what is out there in the world awaiting us. If we don't equip ourselves, if we don't um, familiarize ourselves with some of these ideas going on there and how to deal with them, we're going to be caught on our ways because people are, you think people are in an echo chamber, but information flies around a lot these days. People are going to come across these things one way or the other. And so the best thing is that you go ahead of that, equip yourself so that in the situation where that scenario arises, you know how best you know to deal with it. Because at the end of the day, as you said, we are talking a lot about truth. We want people to you know know the truth, believe the truth, and uh, live the truth as well. And so you also have to equip yourself be ready and know that there are opposing beliefs out there which are trying to, you know, mean some people in that group. And you have to be better prepared to deal with them. 
And so, as I said, in, um, as you said earlier, in, in an echo chamber, opposing ideas are not tolerated at all. And so the best way to prevent um, that from happening is that in as much as we don't want to tolerate them and uh, cause people to believe them, but uh, we um, carefully make people aware of them so that you know that these things are, so that they are not caught unawares uh, somewhere else and then they begin to have problems. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Yeah, all right. So a gentle introduction, it looks like in all that. So how about take your, your concluding thoughts on this um, episode of the discussion? Um, building from making people aware, I think that, I mean, what he just said, um, it's very important that people are aware of some of the different thoughts that other people have about various things that we have always believed to be true. Um, I think um, for me, I am, well, where I, I worship, we go out a lot to speak to people. And so I've encountered all sorts of people with all sorts of ideas. And one thing that I've always found to be helpful is that you don't, I mean, immediately tell the person that it's a lie, it's not true. Um, and then you don't attack what the people are saying. So as some said, you would have to maybe be very, I mean, humble and open to what the people are ready to say. So maybe the first step towards coming out of an echo chamber or dealing with this whole idea of others who already have their own ideologies and what they believe in is just be one, don't be shocked by what people are saying. Don't be shocked, don't be surprised because you were, as some said, you were there too before and be, be willing to listen. When, when you begin to let people listen, inadvertently you realize that as they are talking and you are guiding them, they will begin to realize the fallacies in what some of the things that they themselves they are sharing. So our openness and readiness to listen in itself is a first step towards helping somebody out of where they've been in a very long time. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Um, it's been so enriching. And looks like this, should I say, episode has given, um, as far as I can see, I mean, the Lord will lead us through this, but as far as I can see, it's, it has touched almost every part of what you are going to discuss further. So we are just um, subsequently, you're going to drill down into maybe some details and maybe some very pragmatic or actionable ways to go through this, this um, should I say, exiting our echo chamber, being in the world, but really not of the world, as uh, Christ instructors. For me to, um, my concluding thought, it's the idea of an echo chamber even exists um, like everywhere. Like it's it's not even, maybe you're focusing, we focus on maybe the religious context, right? But even within our social groups, we have all these things as well. And the tension even rises when a particular, I mean, as long as um, the belief is um, to a certain degree related to very personal decisions, we are good, right? You don't really have a problem. But then there's a larger or a greater challenge where, let's say, I believe one thing about, um, even <laughs> I don't want to, start the whole anti-vaxxers and stuff like that but we i mean we it's something that's that the challenge is that some of these things affect um that's a social policy i mean loosely using the, that term right and that's when things become a little more complex so even beyond our religious context i believe that um, if you're able to through our discussion you're able to i mean map out some very great ways by which we're able to position our minds or prep ourselves. This would be able to even translate into how we 
arrive at decisions and all that within the within the public square because our faith is not one that is supposed to be lighted and put under a bushel, right? It's supposed to be lit and placed on a lampstand for everyone to see. And the lampstand, as, as far as I can tell, has to, to do with our public square, right? And being in the public square and articulating our faith, living out our faith, and faith that is not it's not only of letting our heart, what do you call it, just in our hearts um, as an emotional feeling or something like that, but one um, that's also um, connects with our head. Yeah, I think that's that's one thing because that's one thing that is that seems to come up almost every time. Whenever anyone raises a doubt or stuff, stuff like that, they try to come across from the intellectual perspective. For I mean, on social media on such places. So going forward, we'll be drilling. As I said, we'll be um, narrowing some things down and hopefully come at we we come to a very great consensus on how to approach all these seemingly new ideas which are not really new ideas right and so on this note i would want us to um offer a quick word of prayer even as we um, round up our first episode of this podcast this year praying and um, father we thank you for this gracious name that you've given to us um it started as a seed an idea and we are trusting you that by this many seeds will be sown into the heart of our listeners in the mighty name of Jesus. And these things are very thorny issues and we ask him for grace to be made available to us that even as we sharpen each other, even as we rub off ideas, we will be able to um, also exit wherever any chamber or echo chamber we find ourselves that is unhelpful for our Christian growth and subsequently we'll be able to come to the place where we have unity, right? But still in diversity in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for being with us. Amen. 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 We hope the conversation was an enlightening one. Stick with us and keep listening to us as we delve deeper into the subject of exiting our echo chamber and truly learning how to be in the world, but not of the world, in the subsequent episodes. Thank you.